Welcome in one and all to the latest episode of the Duval Dive, a Jaguars podcast. Of course, I'm Kyle Nash, the student of the game of the Jaguar Report of SI, and of course, my man, the champion himself, Travis Holmes of Big Cat Country. Listen, I know there's no Jags football this coming weekend. I mean, I know I'll be at the Citrus Bowl covering LSU FSU for this Sunday. So I, I will not be deprived of football, but there is football out there. It's just not Jaguar football, but enough about what I'm doing for the three point conversion. I am here to talk some Jaguars with my friend, Travis. Now, uh, of course, welcome in Travis. Of course, I, I, I got to bid you a fair good morning as we're doing our first morning edition of the Duval dive podcast. Um, yeah. Let me get the simple one out of the way, man. We, uh, we, we wrapped up, preseason last week miami came to town over uh in in everbank stadium there i got to get used to that it's not tiaa bank stadium anymore yeah. whatever um first of all kind of give me your, your thoughts on preseason as a whole and what you think of the final roster such that it was i know we have some moments where the two of us yeah. look particularly smart based on some of the players retained but your thoughts on preseason yeah. my friend I mean, the preseason overall was a. Ob- I mean, obviously, it was an incredible. It was an incredible season. Preseason, probably one of the best preseasons you pro- you've seen if you're a Jaguar fan oof, since the late '90s. Like realistically, was the last undefeated uh, preseason outing. If if you want to call like the right. final uh, preseason here a victory. Uh, I know it ended you know. prematurely and was technically suspended, but it is undefeated technically. There's not a loss le- uh, levied. That's a fair point. When 97 was the last undefeated season, and I'm not even really focused on the record because, you know, you can be a 2-1 and one or whatever, maybe 2-2 uh, two and two it previously when there was four preseason games uh, team and still be an incredible you know preseason for your starters and your depth and et cetera. The final score a lot of the time doesn't matter, as you've right. mentioned a few times on the Jaguar report. Uh, but a, I will say anyway, it's a whole <laughs> lot of fun and the points don't matter. Yes. Thank you, Travis. <laughs> right. But, but I will say at the end of all of it, like I've not seen as exciting of a preseason where I care about who's this, you know, who's my death pieces. I can actually care enough to keep watching in the third quarter and the fourth quarter, because, we have this exciting young quarterback and these this exciting depth, you know, at receiver that I'm really wanting to pay attention to late in the third quarter when they're when they're do- running routes against insurance agents and you know future mailmen. Like it is awesome. It is an it's it's an awesome situation to just be able to watch the game and actually care even when you know the score doesn't even matter. Like yeah. that is that's been overall what it's been like this preseason and the only real thing that I can say of concern within that preseason just happened to be the injuries because we just hadn't yeah. seen that all up last year being such a healthy team. Yeah, generally speaking, um, you know, uh, other than, of course, the whole James Robinson situation, which they overcame with Travis Entian step, stepping up mm-hmm. last year, uh, for sure. To By the way, speaking of things that showed out, props to my guy Drew Willingham noticing our adoption of the <laughs> background that uh that we're rocking here on the duval dive and listen shouts to uh drew willingham and sir Toba media where the struggle is real to be awesome we appreciate your support check them out uh if you aren't uh checking them out through that youtube page um you could always of course check us out uh, on the pod afterward um on spotify through the student of the game uh podcast 
uh, channel there and wherever you get your podcasts. Of course, you can check us out through A7B and Sports Facebook page, Tune the Game Facebook page, and the Huddle Up podcast YouTube channel, as well as my Twitch and Twitter streams at the SOTG. So enough with that housekeeping over there. I remember you and I were talking big about uh, Tim Jones. Mm -hmm. uh, he made the he made the final, and my pounding the table that you can't coach size got. I'm not gonna say it got Jacob Harris on the practice squad, but at right. least somebody appears to be in agreement with me. Um, you know, you mentioned the receiver core being uh, something that I'm impressed with too. I talked to Jacob Harris himself uh, after the uh, the um, after the final preseason game. And, and, you know, the, the, the way that these guys work together is they all knew they had a special group in there um, mm -hmm. and they all were trying to help each other as best as possible so they could show out to even hit the way or uh, possibly way, way, uh, the waiver wire and get picked up somewhere, um, you know, right. because they knew. They understand the reality that it's a business and not everybody's going to make it. So to hear these guys work together to help themselves ball out and, and, and look as good as possible so that everybody at least gets a job somewhere, if not there. And right. listen, this is a harsh, harsh environment. Even Coach Peterson's kid got cut, you know. So yeah, I'm sure he's. I'm sure he spent one night on the couch, and then they signed him to the practice squad the next day, and everything's all right. Everything's all good in the household. He has his seat at the top of the table, you know, set again. So good job, Dougie. I'm happy your household's still stable. Thanksgiving will not be awkward as it could have been. That's right. I, I agree with that, Travis. Um, but with all that in mind, what what's what's a move? that you feel like there's a lot of how you say backlash to that's that's a little bit of an overreaction. Well, that's the fun part about this is because a lot of these moves, if I'm going to be real about this, a lot of these moves were shocking, a lot of these moves were 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 probably overreacted to and we can say that now because we we're looking at this with hindsight obviously uh we know who was signed you know to the practice squad nearly everyone um that most of these players that we thought would have been picked up and probably should have been picked up uh weren't and so the jaguars kind of had their pick of the litter in this case but nathan work obviously like I, we all knew that there was a good chance that he i mean it was literally a coin flip 50 50 whether or not he was going to be uh you know released or whether or not they were going to be able to keep three quarterbacks on the roster. They went the two quarterback roster way and everyone, not and probably nearly every Jack fan thought that there was a high probability of him getting, you know, picked up by another team or at least, well, you know, or if not picked up by another team, at least choosing to go to a practice squad for another squad. Like at that point, he does have his pick of the litter. We know that when he originally signed back in January, that he had 12 teams interested in him at that time. Uh, you know, at, I believe it was eight of them had already offered him a contract and he chose the Jaguars for that opportunity to compete. So the real question at that point was whether or not he got a true uh, chance to compete, like whether or not that was a true competition versus him just uh, having the opportunity to play. Obviously, he chose to come back onto the Jaguars practice squad, but a lot of fans didn't like it originally. And now they probably love it because guess what? We got the best of both worlds. We got that guy on our practice squad and probably first dibs in case he does get an offer to go into someone else's active roster. We have that opportunity to add him as third, third quarterback at that time. And he's under Dougie P with the maybe up to a year to get that practice and get that acclimation to the offense. Like it's all that it really is the best of all, all 
you know, chances at that point. It's the best of all worlds. And let's add another winner to the scenario, uh, Travis Holmes, in the form of uh, Rourke himself. I think it was you that tweeted out the uh, salary increase just by being on the practice squad versus playing in the CFL. So really, everybody is winning here. And and, and listen, you're coming to see a lot of that um, in this preseason for the Jaguars this season. Mm -hmm. But Travis, let's go ahead and get into this. Um, this past week on the Student of the Game podcast, bing, um, uh, uh, the AFC South previews took place. And uh, if you want to yeah. see the article I wrote for the division, you could check that out on Monday on the three point conversion, three point conversion.com. Look up um, the title of the preview will be Do Vols and Don'ts. I wonder who you think I'm favoring to win the division, Travis Holmes. Now, uh, listen. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, we'll start out talking about the Jags because the name of this particular show is the Duval Dive. Okay, you, you, we're not going to start out talking about the Titans here. Okay, but um, <laughs> I did want to go through. Uh, I had John Shipley of the Jaguar Report bing, uh, on the show uh, talk a lot about what he liked about the Jags, what he did there. Go ahead and check that out at your convenience um, if you want to see that and the rest of the predictions on that show from a talented panel of guests um, from all four teams in the division. But in particular, the thing I want to touch down, or touch on rather, touch down. See, we've seen so much offense this preseason, I'm brainwashed. The thing we want to touch on there is uh, Shipley's 13-4 and record <laughs> prediction for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, I remember, and, and your opinion may have changed a bit, Travis. I'm not trying to hear to tell you that you're, uh, you know, this isn't, uh, this team makes me drink, Travis, we're talking to right now. This, I'm is, not. Certain. <laughs> this is not that. Not yet, anyways. Um, and, and if things go according to plan, I assume they aren't. But um, I have the uh, Jaguars schedule pulled up with me here. And and I, I'll, I'll tell you this, buddy. And I said it to Shipley uh, that night. 13 and four seems tall for me. I'm just going to ask you before we get into it. Does it feel tall for you as well? Yes. Um, so you're, you're funny. It's what I've had this conversation with a few different people and I've tried to make sure I'm fair and balanced in this analysis. You know, historically, I am the most pessimistic Jaguar fan probably that I know. <laughs> and that's because I've been beat down over this past, you know, 10 to 12 years of mediocrity and, you know, overhyping in the offseason, you know, that whole song and dance that many Jaguars are accustomed, Jaguar fans are accustomed to. So hey. I say all that to say, even in my most pessimistic viewpoint of this team, I still see them as a double digit win team. Like, I feel like if they get nine wins, it is a probably a failure of a season and they could probably still make the playoffs with that record. I mean, if nine and eight, if they go four and two in conference, now if um, they go nine and eight and make it to the AFC South, you're willing to amend your, <laughs> your statement. Like, let's I'm calling it. I'm saying what I'm saying. I'm I'm saying what it is. Like, yeah. hey, with this schedule, unless there are serious injuries, which is possible, as we've already seen this preseason, right. like barring injury, let's get that out. Barring of that, discounting that. If there are not any serious, like a, a serious spread of injuries on this team, I don't know how you don't get 10 wins with this schedule. And that's my pessimistic view. So I don't blame John for saying, hey, man, 13 wins is what I'm seeing. I do feel like that's a tall order for a young team. And this is still a young team. Let's not forget that that streak at the end of the season does not change what happened at the start of the season also. 
this is a team that still can have those ups and downs as we even saw in the preseason with those random fumbles from your rookie running back or your, you know, random interception for Trevor that's early in the game. And then he gets over it. Those things will still happen. And we have to acknowledge that. And those can be the differences in those, in those tight games. So yeah, 13 wins is a tall order. I'm putting it around that 10, 11 mark. And I think that's reasonable. So I, I think we just broke the internet because during the uh, AFC South preview edition of the student of the game, I myself had 10 wins for Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, so with all that in mind, I, I'll say this too, and you were talking, I'm glad you brought the, up the end of that streak last year and then how, uh, how it might uh, be uh, set up for a different team this year. I actually talked with Christian Kirk after the Jaguars game there at Everbank, and here's kind of what he said about that whole vibe. Yeah, last thing, uh, you guys are kind of, last year it was, you know, it was always the Jags. You and I talked about that at the end of the year last year and how you guys would come back. Now, there's a lot of talk, and I know talk is just talk, but um, that the Jags are kind of favored in the AFC South, kind of changing the element of it was always the Jags to be a bit more of a statement of confidence. What is it? Is this is that kind of the message you're getting together with this team? What's kind of the attitude of this team heading into week one? Um, you know, honestly, we're flushed in anything that happened last year, and we're just managing our expectations for ourselves. Um, you know, now coming into, you know, a weekly basis, if we win a game, uh, you know, that's what we're supposed to do. You know, that's going to be the expectation. So, you know, for us, it's just taking it one week at a time, not looking too far ahead and, you know, just maximizing our potential as a team. So to Christian Kirk's credit, he's one of those guys, I'm not going to call it coach speak because there is Mm -hmm. substance there, but he's going to use choice words. He's not going to talk um, with the confidence that one would expect a receiver to have. And, hey, that's what you expect from a vet like Christian Kirk to nail it. No, absolutely. That's my guy. And he's not going to give anyone any kind of bulletin board material. He's smarter smarter about that piece of it. However, if I may, there is substance there, right? That part he's talking about, the confidence. Granted, he doesn't reference Thanos like I do. And uh, it was always the Jags becoming a statement of inevitability, but he mentions the confidence. He mentions the raised expectation. And that's the attitude you have to have in Mm -hmm. plucky down 27 points. Ain't going to cut it anymore. All right. There is no more Jocko Willick. Hey, we're down 27. Good. That's not how they want to approach games. I think fast start is something that's in this team's head. And frankly, if, if, if I'm Doug Peterson, I'm actually a little bit distressed at what happened at the end of that first drive. Yeah, I get it. It's preseason. Yeah, thank goodness that Tank Bigsby, who's going to make Kyle look like a big idiot for how good he's going to play in 2023, (laughs) made the mistake when it didn't count. God bless it. But at the end of the day, I know as a coach, I would have wanted that drive to end the way that that it should have with that fast start so I can tap on the bullet before, hey, guys, it looks like that, okay? But, you know, uh, I mean, the statement of confidence and and how they should approach, you have to agree with what Kirk said there, right? I I think we do. And that's the greatest part about that statement is that they they really believe it. Like, you know they believe it, and you know they have those expectations for themselves as this team. Now, again, there is still that question of, should that be the expectations when they're playing against starters? Because we still haven't seen it. Right. And and as it stinks to say, they played against starters for Miami, but they didn't play against starters as far as the run game is concerned. As All far starters, as you know, right. 
yeah, right. All the starters as far as the Christian two interior linemen. Yeah, exactly. Christian Wilkins missing matters. That's a Pro Bowl caliber dude, right? I, I don't think yeah. anybody has illusions otherwise. They were they were missing their top two interior defensive linemen, and we ran down their throats. Let's just call a spade a spade. So, and we we really we want to see what we what we have in us, and I believe everyone else, uh, the the players themselves, have that same thought process. They have that expectation of themselves, and they have really and they probably really wanted to see those points just to say, like to your point. Hey, this is what it looks like, and that's what we want every time. That's how we start a game, and so we can finish it out and show them that way. But they haven't seen it yet, and that is to their, I mean, to everyone's point. I should say that's a concern. You want to see it. You want to see them open those games because they only got those two drives, and you're going to want to see them close those games out uh, with that lead instead of having to have those comebacks because that's not going to last long term in the NFL. Sure. So speaking speaking of agreement, Travis Holmes, Drew Willingham coming in the comments, 10 and 11 wins is respectable, Travis. I agree with that prediction. I, Ooh. you know, Drew, Drew Willingham signing off here too. <laughs> By the way, this statement alone in tribute to this team makes me drink t-shirt. His response Ooh. is this, the teams that make you drink the entire NFC East. Now, based <laughs> on that statement alone, Travis Holmes, can you guess for what team Drew Willingham follows. Oh, uh, Drew. Drew feels like a Giants fan. I don't know. That's very close. I can see why how is that it, could, the how, Eagles? To a, a, well, how would the Eagles make anyone drink this past year? I don't know. Year? I'm, I'm not this past year. I'm yeah. trying to figure out. Trash team in that division, and you'll get it. <laughs> the most trash team in NF, in the NFC. Yeah, NFC East has got to be the commanders right now. The Red Tails, absolutely right. And it, oh, <laughs> Red Tails, I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, your mama named you Redskins, and I can't even call you that no more. I don't know. I'm, I'm losing track of this, man. All right, Are yes. You, is, that Red the Tails. Cassius, is that the Cassius Clay defense you just used? No, man, that's the that's the uh, coming to America. Your mama named you Cletus, so I'm going to call you Cletus. But, yeah. There you go. <laughs> I'm going to call him Clay. I'm going to call him Clay. I get it. Yeah, By the yeah, way, yeah, you, yeah, uh, yeah. Drew, Drew also hands you another subtle hint. Take a look at the Sertoba logo in the upper right hand uh, corner there. That's all you need. The Red Tails yeah. is, sorry, commanders such as they are. Um, yeah, so that's probably why that team makes them drink, considering the rest are all, you know, <laughs> uh, at least being predicted to to at least fight for the playoffs. So the, oh, of course, yeah. I've seen some people flying off the handle trying to convince me that Sam Howell can make this team a playoff team. But this isn't an NFC East show. You could watch that on the NFC East preview of the student of the game. Bing! Anyways, with mm. that in mind, uh, Travis, we've talked about we both see 10 wins um, for this squad. Let's go ahead and jump through the schedule um, as we go here to find out where we think um, the Jags might struggle. Now, what I find interesting, let me ask this question. The mm -hmm. opening game is going to be them going to Indianapolis to do battle with the Colts. Currently, I believe 0-9 are the Jags in Indianapolis. Yeah. If this isn't the opportunity to break the streak, I don't know what is. <laughs> this has got to be it, but you can't ever say – you can never say never in the NFL. And that's what always thinks is – I. I think everybody, everybody and their mama gonna put money on the Jaguars to win this game, even if it's in in Indy. But it's still the NFL. We all thought the same thing for Houston last year, 
and somehow some way that game just looks weird enough and it works out weird enough and you think they should be up 14 points but they're only up three and then there's the turnovers and then yeah these things happen so i say all that to say yes they, they absolutely better win this game however we've seen that before it's the nfl and that and that that spread uh that that the difference between a bad team and a good team can truly be week to week if there's just a wrong matchup. And historically, this has been one of those wrong matchups for us. Um, and 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 just for the sake of conversation, I do have the Jaguars uh, uh, sweeping the Colts, but again, yes. barring the football gods coming in with a what ha- happened was as the Jaguars <laughs> do. Um, I I I I um. I, I, yeah, I got a Colts sweep there too. So when we come across the Colts later in the schedule, that's, that's how that'll probably go. Um, I'm going to safely put the home opener against the Chiefs as a probable L, but you never know. They may, uh, they, the Chiefs have started slow in other seasons past. That should be an interesting game considering the vengeance vibe and how emotional the Jags can play at times. Um, Mm -hmm. I have them hosting the Texans. I have them splitting the Texans this year, Travis. What say you? I said that's historically what's going to happen. And yeah, and against that team, yes, I see them splitting and probably winning at home, losing away, just sort of like that uh, indie situation. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, by the time they play the Texans later in the calendar, uh, CJ Stroud would have had more time to get comfortable. The receiver connection would have only improved. Um, the Texans uh, in, in this past offseason, let's say only the top, uh, the top two picks overall at two and three because they traded up with Will Anderson and C.J. Stroud. Let's say that that's all that works out. They have they secured two of the most important uh, pieces on the field as improvements. And, oh, by the way, um, they secure Laramie Tunsil at uh, a tackle to secure one of the third. So, um, you know, if in the offseason you can get better at three important spots, you're looking better as a team are the Texans. So, you know, we'll leave that at that. Um, after that, they head to London. Travis, I see them going 2-0 and in London, and yes, I'm including the Bills because not only have the Jags done well against the Bills in the past, um, the Jags are more comfortable in London um, than the Bills would be. What say you? We have the Bills number for, for the most part, uh, and, and we, we just do. We hold them to a low amount of points no matter what our defense looks like when we're playing them, uh, and that's whether it's the Tyrod Taylor Bills or whether it's the Josh Allen Bills. For whatever reason, we are just a bad matchup to them, just like there are certain teams that are bad matchups to us. Historically, again, the Colts and the Titans. It's just one of those things that stinks, or us against the Steelers, for that matter. Uh, we're just a bad matchup for them no matter what our team looks like. Um, so I, I I agree with you. I think we're going to go two and zero in London, and I think we're going to have that advantage. I'm very thankful to the NFL schedule making gods um, <laughs> for 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 allowing that two week spread in London. As much as um, some Jack fans didn't like it at first, yeah, and I get that too. So uh, based on that alone, after the second Colts game there too on October fifteenth, we just put this team at five and one. Yeah, and just like <laughs> that, right. Um, however, on Thursday, they will head into the bayou of uh, the Superdome uh, to battle the Saints on Thursday night. That game's interesting. Today, I'm going to call it a Jaguars win, but the Saints leaning more as a defensive team than ever mm-hmm. before, it being a Thursday night game. I can see them dropping that one. What say you? I have them as a win, but it's one of those coin flip games that I really do feel weird about. Just, just again, calling it like it is that because of the way that they play defense 
they're a lot more like those, you know, Titan teams, a lot more like those Steelers and Ravens, those teams that are going to keep that game, keep their offense with around 20 to 21 points. And when those games happen like that, that's, it just comes down to ball control, who doesn't turn the ball over, things of that nature. So to your point, yeah, it can be one of those coin flip games that you hope you can come away with a hard-fought victory, but you never know. We might change our tune by week five, week six, week seven. Yeah, what's interesting here, I see Drew Willingham telling us four and two, but he says it's not because of the Bills, but the potential six or seven losses on the season being against the Colts because anything can happen in the NFL. In other words, he's putting what had happened was in the hands of the shoe. I, I'm not mad at it. I just, I'm not feeling it this year. There are other year, years where I'd be like, oh, yeah, yeah, solid. This is not that one. Um, but mm. like Drew said eloquently, anything can happen in the NFL. Let's take it beyond that Thursday night. Um, it would be the Jags at that point going to Pittsburgh. Travis, I have that as an L. I know that they've been they've been battling well lately, but with the offensive line being what it is, I see them having trouble repelling TJ Watt and company in that front, and they're going to have problems moving the football. I think it sounds like you agree. Um, yep, with that too. I had that, and that's weird because again, they're at that point we already had them at six and one, I believe, and and to, for Jaguar fans starting off six and one, that is just an incredible start to the season. However. Again, as I said earlier, there's going to be those ups and down games, games that you feel like they should win, that they're just not because those are good defenses that are going to keep that score lower, that score low. Uh -huh. Pittsburgh is absolutely one of those one of those well coached teams that are absolutely going that they're in that bucket. Pittsburgh, I think, will walk away with that victory in a low scoring game. And I feel like Pittsburgh's being slipped on and overall too. I think they're a playoff team, no matter what the national media says. It would not be the first time I agreed with and correctly. Mm -hmm. Uh, opposite of the lame stream media. Let's keep it rolling, Travis. We have, um, let's see, we got the Steelers. The yeah, week the after that, what a tough pairing coming back home to face <laughs> the 49ers after TJ Watt. Uh, listen, I don't care what their quarterback situation is. Um, this is another game where the best chance for victory is if the Niners hit an injury spell like they did last year. That's right. what, that's the only thing in my mind that makes us unpredictable. If you could keep the Jags on the ground, Dougie P's coaching strategies tend to waver some. We have seen that um, before with uh, um, um, other teams. I, I got the Niners winning in here. Call me a homer if you want. What say you? I got the Niners winning also. And again, Best case what's scenario. The, best what's no, no. What's well, what's the problem? My, my my problem is my best case scenario is <laughs> is that this team wins thirteen to fourteen games. That is the best case scenario, and I can absolutely see it. And that's the reason again. I go back to John's point earlier. Yeah, mm -hmm. this could absolutely be thirteen wins. However, some injuries somewhere are going to happen. There's no way they were going to lead the NFL in in injuries uh and in games miss from your starters due to injury again, two years in a row. That's what happened mm -hmm. last year. And we've already started the season off with showing injuries on the offensive line and literally no depth at defensive end. I'm not crazy to, I, I have to acknowledge this. So because this is football, you're going to lose games that you should win. You're going to win games that you should have lost. Hey, I have them going 0-2 versus the Steelers and the 49ers. That's just what I have. I'm sorry. It's the middle of the season. It's right at that time that you might just hit a dip. And, um, you know, as we're closing in uh, on time here to finish it out here, what I will say is, uh, well, I'll ask this one and one the Titans this year. That's that's where you would put that, right? Yep. Okay. Surely that tracks for me, too. 
Oh, we said one one in the text, and so we could skip that. This basically leads us to what I think is the toughest stretch of schedule um, uh, leading, in, uh, at least in the back half of, of the year here. Oh, I I'm got, sorry. Can, can I correct you? And I do apologize. You you had them one one against the Texans. I actually have them. Um, sorry. Uh, I have them 2-0 and against the Texans. So we, so do, you have differ, we do differ on that one. That's interesting. Okay. Um, fair enough. Um, that would be nice to see, but yeah, I, I, I have them splitting with the Texans. I think the Texans are a little feisty, um, this yeah. year there. I think they're going to surprise some people. I have them at seven wins. Um, you could check the rest of my team's picks on the AFC South preview of the student of the game. Bing. Anyways, <laughs> um, this particular stretch though, Bengals, Browns, Ravens, um, Travis two and one here would be awesome. Something mm-hmm. tells me you got one and two. I do. I uh-huh. have them. I have them losing against the Bengals, losing against the Browns, and beating the Ravens because we always have the Ravens number. Doesn't matter if it's fluky. Doesn't matter if it's weird. It just always happens. And, well, and you know, I'm, 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 their injury status too is is I think going to be the biggest factor. Also fair. Yeah, yeah. Also, also fair. But and again, the Browns are one of those teams where I thought Deshaun Watson just looked really weird and rusty last year. But I don't think that that's going to be the case based on what you know based on what you're hearing anyways and if he's just an average quarterback with that team that offense that defense that the way that they're able to run the ball it's one of those just feisty teams like the Steelers um, that I think we're going to struggle with later in the season I think we may be hitting our peak at the right time I just think it starts later in the season a lot like last year and final two games outside of the AFC South I think they're 2-0 though the Panthers might be frisky Bucks, Panthers, Bucks in Tampa on Christmas Eve. I have that 2 and 0 with that pairing as well. We do agree. There 2 and 0. Goes. So with that in mind, that'll wrap up this edition of the Duval Dive. We barely squeezed in the 30 minutes here. We might be a little you skip over. one. I no, what I skip? The Titans, the last game of the season. You're not paying attention. I said the last two outside of the AFC South cuz we already said that they would split. Oh, and now we're so, you, so we're so we're both in agreement that they're going to lose against the Titans in the last game of the season because they're sitting their starters, basically. Yeah. Um, so with that in mind, Travis, uh, tell the people where you can be found, my guy. Well, <laughs> I can be found on all the socials, Travis D. Holmes, obviously on Twitter, Threads, X, oh, sorry, uh, Facebook, you name no, it. it. It's cool. uh, yeah, yeah. Your mom, yeah, your mom called you Twitter. I'm gonna name you Twitter. Yeah, all right, cool. Yes, um, <laughs> you can find me on all the socials. Travis D. Holmes. You can find my writings on BitCatCountry.com, uh, and yeah, and you can find me on the South Florida Tribune's Inside the Pigskin on Tuesdays at 8 p.m. Um, I'm a panelist on that podcast, and you can also find me every week on the Duval Dive, a Jaguars podcast. Bam, make sure you check that out. If you don't do it live, wherever you consume your podcast, of course, I am Kyle Nash, the student of the game. You can find me on Twitter at the SOTG. Find me on Instagram as the same, the SOTG. Check out my writings with the black and gold banneret covering UCF and the three-point conversion, along with the Jaguar report covering various things, Jaguars and NFL. Also, check me out for the three-point conversion this Sunday covering the Citrus Bowl kickoff, LSU versus FSU. It's going to be a pretty big game, Travis. Heisman Trophy candidates, all that. Pretty pretty good time. Pretty good time. Can't, can't front yeah. on that. I, I do hope you enjoy yourself. I, I'm going to try. Twist <laughs> my arm. Um, And, of course, uh, the Student of the Game podcast, which goes live on Wednesday at 8.40 p.m. We will have the simulcast with me and the Huddle Up podcast crew 
Um, it's going to be a great time. I'm going to talk trash on EJ Christian. Bing! Um, I- I'm assuming that because at some point he makes one of his corporate tool-like picks. It is what he does. Um, but yes, for Big Cat Country's Travis Holmes, I am Kyle Nash of the Jaguar Report, the student of the game. And until next time, everyone, class and dismissed.